0: Welcome to the final episode of Demol Belkia, Season 11 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me to finish the season are those I deem worthy. The Canadian who is not very interesting, but should be admired for his good qualities, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. And the guy who, like Mjolnir, is blunt, forged by dwarves, and enjoys being handled by a Hemsworth, David Bindley. Good morning. Good morning. So we were on Belgian TV this weekend. Well, you were. Yeah, we were. You don't count, but...
1: My Yeah, our names were on screen.
0: Wow. And do you know how many people have followed us on Instagram since that aired? Two. One! <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> was it Steve Tao?
0: It was not Steve Tao. There has been exactly one follow on our Instagram since that's actually aired, and this is two days later now. I, I gained one Twitter follower over it. Oh, I'm proud of you. I gained zero. Yeah, no one knows who you are, though. You haven't been on the podcast for six weeks, seven weeks, whatever it is at this point. But we decided to drag you back one last time just because, you know, you're involved in the next step of of what we're going to talk about. Yep. At the end of this episode. Given that this is finally the episode where we're probably going to announce what the Mole Historians is this year. Probably. I say probably because I'm almost certainly going to do a lot of dicking around in the edit and just irritate people with five minute long pauses, or accidentally removing which season it is, you know, the usual sort of tricks that we love to play. And I will also point out that because we have recorded two Historian seasons already this year, both of which are now edited as of about half an hour ago, because I finished the finale of Amazing Race Australia 2 literally about half an hour ago. Ooh, don't spoil it for me. I can't spoil anything for you, but it's a it's a fantastic season that you'll be hearing very soon. Yay. I can also confirm that the next episode that we record will probably not only be the five hundredth episode, but our five hundredth recording.
1: Yeah. What that's a hell of a milestone.
0: It is because Hunted seems to be delayed until the summer, and I was quickly doing the maths before we started recording, and I think the next episode is actually going to be the five hundredth recording. Which is fun. So you got me you got me to come back and it's only four hundred and ninety-nine. I did originally think that this was number 500, and then I realised I did my maths wrong. It's only 499, sorry. But it's actually 477, in reality. And I know you want to start the episode by trying to salvage any sort of glory that you can from being the least shit of the three of us at Predicting Comfort.
2: I don't even know that I was least shit as much as I had or as my top suspect week one, which is, I mean, we're probably going to get into it with Steve Tao later, but like, I'm nearly as bad at this game as he is normally. And somehow the last five seasons I've watched over the last year, this, Vidim, the Finland one from last season, uh, Netflix mole, and then the New Zealand one that popped up randomly, I've managed to get the mole from week one. And it's really only because of that bloody DeLorean that I uh, fell off of this season.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Like She was my number one suspect in weeks two and three, and then because of the bloody DeLorean, it just tanked.
2: Yeah. It's really frustrating. The annoying thing is she wasn't even my bottom suspect that week, because Lisa Lot was still there.
0: Some bits of housekeeping, as is traditional, include the fact that I want to gloat about something, because in the process of trying to find whether my instinct on someone pointing out one of the clues was correct on Discord, I found that this time last May, basically, May 3rd last year, on the Bothers Bar Discord, I said the following. The US would be an interesting one too, but you'd probably need a travel partner. I'd love to know what states they'd do. Having said that, Stetson is an obvious addition to the Mole in a Hat promo picture collection. I hate to say I told everyone so, but I told everyone so. That's quite the foresight, uh, Mr. Harmstone. Especially given that Papa Bear had probably already decided it was going to be the US by that point. So, I didn't even get any sort of tip-off. And that was actually before we went to Belgium, which is even weirder. I look forward to the hats with the corks dangling down next season. I mean, it's an obvious addition to the to the Mole in the Hat promo picture collection.
2: Yeah.
0: I also do want to give someone else credit, which is Sean, who said in the same conversation, I was just looking at the DeMole map, and I feel like the areas of the world they haven't been close to is Russia. It turns out that, you know, Germany was meant to be Russia. Hmm. And one final thing that I did find out on Instagram earlier is that Jeffrey off of Mexico actually met Lancelot four years ago through a mutual friend and got interrogated on the mole. Oh, wow. So there is actually a mole connection there.
1: Jeez, everyone just abuses Jeffrey for his knowledge.
0: Yeah, maybe Lancelot was lucky enough to get Jeffrey's business card like I did in Vietnam as well. (laughs) And he still didn't recognize me last week. So, previously the final three went live over Arizona as Toast brought the news and Commie brought the weather. In a tempting choice between money for the pot and information about the mole, the mole went easy on them to let the pot rise one final time, before the press room got the shock of its life when Lancelot was unmasked as the winner. At the reveal it was a comforting sight, as comfort was revealed as a saboteur all season long. And we begin in Bruges a week ago, and all the losers looking uncomfortable in the basement of a brewery. Uncomfortable? Uncomfortable indeed. Unintentional pun from me there. I like those red and the phone rings once more, leading them back to the Twin Peaks hallway.
2: It's a nice little echo to the start of the season with doing this.
0: It is, but one thing I was thinking about is they don't do everyone finding out who the mole is at the same time anymore. Beltram's kind of gone away from that, and I don't really understand why, because I quite like those seats.
1: Was it availability just for the initial reveal amongst the contestants?
0: I don't know. Because it seemed very intentional that they would have the two pairs and then the trio find out separately.
1: Yeah, when they're distinct groups like having Ruben and Steve Teo find out together. Yeah. yeah.
2: I was thinking maybe like somebody got COVID and then they had to reschedule so then they decided to split everyone else up as well.
0: I don't know because it was filmed literally the day before the finale. It was filmed last Saturday. No idea then. The irony is, of course, that they were closer to Lowell Taylor than I was. Yeah, it was, I just saw that after we finished recording. What happened to that? Um, I think he was just a bit too busy, to be honest. We'll try again next year. He'll never be going back to uh, Ostend next year, won't he? So we'll try and plan it again. But yeah, Bruges is just down the road from Ostend. If I'd got the ferry, I could have actually gone to Bruges and driven over to Ostend on the Saturday. So they must choose who the mole is on the phone. Lancelot is number one, Toast is number two, and Commie is number three. And they can also press the hash key if they don't know.
1: <laughs> just which is what Connie did. Just eh, I'm I'm not even going to try.
0: <laughs> and then eventually she's bang on the money about who the winner and the mole is going to be. And they are grouped to watch the finale. Obviously, it's world famous actor Matteo Simoni and Ruben together, and Thomas and Connie together, leaving Lila, Lisa, Lott, and Samia as the final group. As Commie is revealed as Mole on the screen, she appears in the room that they're watching it in, and they are at the Halfman Brewery. Lancelot's still wearing a hat, but it isn't a Stetson this time, as it doesn't fit him, because no Stetson fits him, but it is instead an Akubra. And Lisa Lot has prepared canapes.
1: I like how uh, Thomas and Connie are always paired together as if they're Phyllis and Stanley from The Office.
2: I like how Mateo Simone was less recognisable as Mateo Simone here than he was in Episode 1. He had his
0: hair grown out. I just love how they promoed the living shit out of who the 10th candidate was going to be. Then the twist completely fell on its face. And then on top of that, they pretty much sideline him in this reunion. Hmm. You get Commie's reaction to finding out he's going to be coming. You get a little segment with him being useless, and then that is it.
1: I like how when. Uh... Yeah, Comfort initially meets with Jill, and he says, "Yeah, there's someone really famous from the show called Call Boys who's going to be on it." And then, uh, and then she, she figures out, "Oh, it's it's Simone. Yeah, it's Matteo Simone," and she's just blown away. And that's the big twist that Jill thinks to reveal first to the mole of the season. Then he's gone.
0: As he says himself, in the space of ninety minutes, he went from getting texts going, "Oh my God, you're on the mole to Ah, uh, commiserations. <laughs> Good cameo. It's such a wonderful damp squib of a twist, and I, I think it's utterly delightful. And Jill had a way of telling her whether they were in time or not on the first challenge. If his arms were crossed as normal, they were in time. She couldn't, re- she couldn't really do anything about either of the first two opportunities to earn money because people got in the way, namely Connie and Lancelot, and her plan was to just mess about on the slight line, but then they put her in the last position, and she was able to keep all of the money out of the pot by just blaming her height. Not that it was actually a problem.
1: The thing is, is that that would be a normal strategy to not have her go last anyway. So it was really the group being punished for just what could potentially go wrong even if she wasn't the mole.
0: Yeah, the the two positions in that split challenge you don't want the mole to be in are last on the slight line and being the ones actually controlling how far out the piggy bank is on that last bit of the slight line. Namely, Connie and Thomas and then Kami herself. They're essentially being punished for not trying hard enough, just like with the Back to the Future elimination.
1: I also like how they did insert the Wilhelm scream, uh, how she fell. It's very faint in the edit, but you can very clearly hear it.
0: If it was pandering to us anymore, there would have been an eagle screech. (laughs) And I I know Gilles claimed last week that they weren't pandering to us, but you need to let us have this victory, Gilles. It was pandering to us whether you believe it or not.
2: I, I did like that they added that bit where Comfort was honest that she didn't end up having the power to sabotage the opening challenge because everyone else sucked.
0: Yeah, it's refreshing to actually have a mole go, you know what? I couldn't have done anything there, really. Mm. I did not do
1: a single thing. I was completely ineffective. I, imagine how bad
2: that would have been if that had turned up in the Vidim reunion this year.
0: Oh, that would have been awful. Yeah. So after the slackline, she was a bit more subtle with her sabotages, causing confusion on the walkie-talkie in the train and sending people back to steal as many potatoes before Lot and Samuel could stop them.
2: God, the, the train challenge bit cracked me up so much because they were basically like,
1: yes, there was sabotage here, but everyone was doing everything wrong.
2: Moving on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, then the, and it wasn't even her fault with the the horseshoe challenge because it was
0: all Lancelot screwing yeah. up Jolly Jumper. I mean, Jolly Jumping doesn't even sound like an animal. I did forget to say it to Jill last week, but the noise that lamp makes when it hits the fence cracks me up every time I've seen that clip. (laughs) Because it's just so brutal, that challenge. So her tactic with the horseshoes was to take the coloured horseshoes out of the game as soon as possible, and she also managed in the process to get Lancelot blamed for all her errors. With the egg transporting mission she accidentally kept dropping them and broke both her egg under her armpit and threw Thomas's out of his pocket as well when they were on the Jeep. Connie became her target for the egg breaking as she was a little bit more careless with her red egg and she left it in her bag on the floor at a bar and Comfort kept kicking it (laughs) under the table while talking to her. Which is, can I point out, one of the greatest sabotages I've ever heard of. (laughs) Yep.
1: While she's just pouring out all of her life secrets. So when I was 18, oh yeah, keep going, Connie, smash, smash. (laughs) Connie's just pouring her heart out, and comfort just keeps going over there. Just like, why are you breaking my heart, Connie? I haven't talked to
0: my estranged sister in 25 years. Oh yeah, that's smash, smash, that's terrible. It's just such a great sabotage that there is obviously no way that they could have included in the original episode. But the fact that Connie's just there, pouring her heart out, making friends with Comfort, meanwhile Comfort's just booting Connie's bag (laughs) under the desk, repeatedly to make sure that she can't win the challenge the next day. It may be my favourite sabotage ever. Yeah, it's certainly up there. I'm not a huge fan of the hidden clues this season. There's one which, as I said to you guys last night, I did shout fuck off at the TV at, which is the font one. The rest of the clues weren't as good, I have to say, but... This sabotage just makes up for all of them. It was so funny. And she also, as we saw last week, caused chaos by stealing Lancelot's egg 10 minutes before they departed for that challenge. we see more sabotages in the first
2: 20 minutes or so of this episode than we did in the entire Vietnam reunion this year.
0: Yeah, because, as we've previously discussed, live finales and live reunions don't really work for Mole because they're then pressed for time and they can't edit. Yeah.
1: Yeah, here it's just it's just boom, 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 boom.
0: One of this show's greatest assets is being able to edit. And the editors themselves, to be fair. And I know Bindles loves me talking about it, but finale fashion time, obviously, rim wearing a turtleneck, no, his bow tie was way cooler at the actual finale. But did you spot his socks? No.
1: No, I wasn't looking at his socks.
0: Yeah, tell me more. I'm 99% sure that he was wearing slush puppy socks. (laughs) It's a blink and you'll miss it thing, but it definitely looked like he was wearing slush puppy socks when he was sat on the sofa with the world famous actor, Matteo Simone. Interesting. I kind
2: of like how with Vid and they all get, you know, really super dressed up and made up and all of that sort of stuff. This just feels like a bunch of old friends getting back together.
0: Yeah and it was genuinely heartwarming seeing everyone greet each other and Samia especially seemed to seemed to really have missed everyone because they are very much kept apart they're not allowed to to meet up between the filming of the season and actually when when they film the reunion so they genuinely haven't seen each other for 6 months at this point
1: which is crazy because you think just by pure chance you would accidentally bump into somebody within Belgium
0: Yeah, I presume if they accidentally bump into each other then it's fine, but they are told that they can't meet up. Although, who would know? Well, yeah, obviously, but would you really want to defy Papa Bear and have him be disappointed in you?
1: No. Just be funny if they accidentally bump into each other and there's just sheer panic on both their faces. Damn it! Damn it! We're not supposed to be here! One of us has to hide!
0: Jump into the bushes! They see each other in the street and just go, COVID conditions! we have got to stay two (laughs) metres apart! Yeah. so she was exactly where she wanted to be in the Underground Bunker Challenge, in the middle room with Ruben. If you give Ruben a little bit of distrust, he will run with it. And sadly for her, she misunderestimated Lancelot and Leislot's desire for Passfragen. Misunderestimate?
1: It's not, I was not expecting a George Bush reference there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fun fact on Microsoft Word, it does have a big red wavy line on that, but it's totally worth it.
1: <laughs> I was thinking like, I haven't heard that referenced in a long time Bringing it out the archive
0: <laughs> Another genuinely impressive sabotage that Commie did Was that before the show she memorised the questions and locations of all of the animals in the zoo challenge And She deliberately chose questions that were far apart to minimise the amount of time that Ruben and Thomas would have to answer questions And also deliberately guided them into one of the seniors That was really impressive
2: Even producers were blown away Yeah, like when you consider how many questions there were, how many different answers she had to memorise, the locations, where the old people were, in fact she memorised probably 75 different things.
0: Yeah, there was 24 questions, so she memorised all of the answers for that, the locations of the animals, she memorised where the uh, seniors were, and she memorised all the wrong answers at the same time, Mm. which is genuinely impressive. And the reason that I obviously point out that she memorized the wrong answers as well is because she would have been away for half of the questions as well. So she would have had to be paying attention to what the actual uh, wrong answers were for, oh yeah, I need to, I need to guide them towards this one. So it's a genuinely impressive memory challenge, especially as she probably only found out she was maul about two weeks in advance. Yeah, Usually with Belgium, they only find out like two or three weeks in advance unless it's an uh, Elizabeth or a uh, Uma situation.
1: This was much more useful to memorize compared to what what else she had to memorize before the season, which was Steve Teo's IMDB page, but that didn't really come into play.
0: I would have loved to know how she was going to sabotage the world-famous Matteo Simone twist, because obviously she would have planned for that, and it all went down the pan, thanks to Connie just going, surely you're Matteo Simone. There's no way. Yeah, there's no way, yeah. Do you have a twin? Are you even trying to disguise yourself? There was a wonderful callback to that with uh, Mateo and Connie interacting as well. I can't remember whether it was
2: your interview or that print one that came out last week, but Jules said there's a couple of challenges where they basically only get about halfway through what they'd planned and then they just never show the rest because the players never get up to them. I feel like the Mateo Simoni challenge was one of them.
0: Yeah, that must have been the the print one because I don't think I really talked to him about world-famous actor Mateo Simoni. Yeah. She said she really wanted to do the stump flying, but could be responsible for €1,500 Euros potentially going into the pot. And in another wonderful sabotage, she bombarded Lancelot with information during the college challenge, which was very distracting for him, especially in a second language.
1: <laughs> red lions, red devils, red, red dragons, red dinosaurs, red dogs. Just one more thing
2: about the, the plane challenge. Do you think if she'd ended up in the other group, she would have pretended not to recognise Matteo Simone? In the clip.
0: I think so, yeah.
1: She could just say, Well, I was busy with school.
0: Oh no, I'm I'm not aware of Matteo Simoni's work. Matteo Simoni's extensive work. I wasn't looking at his face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was looking at his toque.
0: Isn't he one of the call boys? <laughs> the annoying thing about the whole bombarding Lancelot with information thing is I was so close to suspecting her from that. <laughs> Everything that they said about how she sabotaged that challenge was a reason that I suspected Lancelot that week. Hmm. It's just so irritating that I was like 95% of the way there, and I just I just didn't twig it.
1: Yeah, the mole would be on the microphone. Yeah, yeah. I remember you talking about that extensively. And then he said, well, that's the tough thing with comfort as mole this season, is that Reuben and Lancelot screwed up so many challenges that comfort, although sabotaging a lot of these challenges, was able to just tack on to what Lancelot and Ruben were doing. So her job was easier than most moles in the past. Yeah. I mean, there was a challenge where she didn't even get to initiate her own sabotage and that was was on the first day of the season.
0: Yeah, she's a fantastic mole, and I know we're going to talk about this probably in the next 5 or 10 minutes, but she's an absolutely fantastic mole. But it's mainly because she worked out very quickly who to piggyback off of and who would be the suspicious guys that would cover for her, basically. It's funny how you, you're
2: saying all this stuff is why you were suspecting Lancelot. Because like, all of the stuff she was doing was why I was suspecting Toast. Because like, things like you know saying the right colour under the bus, knowing that Toast wouldn't trust her, I think it's one of those things where we, we spotted all the sabotages, but we didn't attribute them to the right person.
1: That's right, the sp- The speed one was brilliant.
0: Mm. I've said it so many times on these podcasts, but I don't mind being wrong about this show, as long as it makes sense in the end. And it's obviously super aggravating for me, being as competitive as I am, that I was wrong. But also I go, yeah, actually, hats off, comfort, you did manage to trick us, and you managed to trick so many people in the process. Yeah. She also hid the relevant books for the questions, even though Thomas came back with another book that she didn't spot, which was a great subversion of what the mole was trying to do. And she knew that she was Toast's main suspect, so she misled him to make sure the speed challenge didn't succeed by saying the right colour, knowing that he trusted Reuben more than he trusted her. She wanted to be worth no money in the jewels, so tried her hardest at the challenges, but it was typical that Toast was the best at both pub games and she let Ruben shoot her, as he was worth €3,000, and she was not.
1: Yeah, just more ways to keep money out of the pot.
0: And another shout-out to whoever it was on the Brothers Bar Discord who suspected that she did indeed draw the €2,000 card and then accidentally kept going at the diner. And then Gilles asked the question we've all been waiting for the answer to, what happened to Lancelot with bribing cops in Malawi? I'd completely forgotten about that from seven weeks ago at this point. But it is utterly delightful that we had that callback. I like how it
1: was a complete fake-out for the Back to the Future bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how do you feel about the Back to the Future twist, Spindles?
2: I didn't mind it. I think it worked better that they knew in advance that it was coming, like so they could plan for it for that episode. I don't think I really need to see it every season, but this is this is a show that sort of... Leaves you wanting more, a little bit, a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, I think the thing that sets it apart from all of the similarish challenges that we've seen of its ilk in the past is the fact that they didn't know whether the mole was going to get the red screen. Yeah. They didn't necessarily intend on getting it. She she pitched a score that she thought would be roughly right to get it, but until that red screen came up, she had no idea.
1: Yeah, they had, they had the mole play, play it like a contestant would.
0: And also in the process of it, the contestants played themselves because yes, Lancelot ended up being able to rule Toast out from this challenge or from this uh, this elimination. But there was no guarantee of who was going to go home, apart from the fact that it was never going to be comfort. Hmm. And if if people had tanked the test enough, then they would have maybe got more information out of it, or if they played it like Lancelot, but they sort of played themselves and allowed her to take a thousand euros out of the pot. I did like Lancelot
2: breaking the twist.
0: Oh, so did I, and that was the thing that I always kind of saw in secrecy on from Battle Bear last week, is the fact that he accidentally told me that someone managed to work out the correct tactic. And he was like, don't mention it on the podcast yet. You can mention it next week, but don't mention it yet. I'm like, okay, whatever.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, if they give you an opportunity to guarantee one of your suspects isn't the
1: mole. Like, it is high risk, high reward, but, you know, carpe diem, I guess. Yeah. So... I'm curious what would have happened if Lancelot chose to exclude Comfort in that situation. Would he have been able to fight back and survive the execution? Because Layla had seven right. Then he would know for sure it was Comfort. So he'd, what, have to identify four
0: pictures? Yeah, so it all depends on who he was splitting on before. Because if he chose to rule out Comfort, then he would have gone for guys only you would presume and on top of that that would have then meant he would have known it was a woman straight away by that point there were three left so that immediately allows him a much greater chance and he probably still would have scored one or two even trying to avoid covering all the women in that case so he maybe would have needed five or six really he would have obviously got his own correct I think there were enough in those baby pictures to probably push him to three correct in total, if not four.
1: Because Comfort was intentionally like when we said, oh, Comfort's having bad luck with these coin tosses in terms of choosing the correct baby photo. But now that we know she's the mole, she was intentionally throwing the fit, the coin toss guesses. So Lancelot would have probably figured it out. but would have well, He for sure would have figured it out better than a person who was intentionally sabotaging it. And you figure
2: the people who didn't give Comfort there, like didn't tell Comfort which one was there, probably wouldn't have told Lancelot either. So you've still got Layla, you've still got Lizalot. Lancelot would still get his own ride, so that's three. I think Comfort probably wouldn't have given him the right one.
0: No, because it would have been worth money.
2: So I I think he probably would have got three, and that's about it, unless he got really lucky with the guesses.
0: Well, Toast's one was fairly obvious, I seem to remember. hmm so that's four. So that's eight questions total. Yeah. And then on top of that, assuming Lila was still second worst, that would have then ruled her out and it would have been a flip for him between Lisa Lot and Comfort. And I think out of those two, if you know it's a woman who's the mole, I think you know which one you're going to pick out of those two. Yeah. So he would have been able to go straight ticket on, on Comfort had he come back from the Delorean. I think actually it would have worked out for him Maybe even better than it did in in the end, anyway. So, to give everyone a chance, she chose to only get 6 out of 20 correct. She chose to give herself a chance to sabotage, and it worked out for her. She struggled with Lila and Lot choosing to help, as she realised that they actually cared for her. And Lila ended up going home with a score of 7 of 20. She filled all of her answers in on the wrong person, after switching from Commie to Lot. Only Lancelot figured out the correct tactic for this challenge, which was spreading over his two main suspects, Lisa Lot and Commie, and ruling out a third suspect Toast. His screen was green, so he knew that Toast was 100% not the mole, and Lila says she wasn't focused on finding the mole anymore, but helping her friend in that situation.
2: Just going back to Lila for a second, how do you suspect Lisa Lot that far into the season? Like, Lisa Lot basically was responsible for probably like two thirds of the kitty at that point.
0: Yeah, I mean even I had gone off Lisa Lot after week three.
1: <laughs> mm. Yeah, she I think she was my bottom suspect from about was it about week three as well?
0: Something like that, yeah. I gave her kind of a, a token suspicion just on the off chance that it was her, but yeah, by week four you can pretty much guarantee that it isn't Lisa Lot given that she's had two opportunities to take a lot of money out of the pot by taking exemptions and password, and she didn't do it. And now the most important bit of the episode, because we come back from an ad break to see that over one and a half million people have been searching for hints on this program, including us. They showed off our episode 7 banner from Instagram, including those fucking annoying bot comments. Oh,
1: Jesus Christ, those bots.
0: The irony is, those things, I restrict them every time they post. So it should just be me and them who can see the the comments, and for some reason, those four managed to get through. They also picked probably my least favorite banner of the season, given it's the only one that doesn't feature Ruben in some sort of awkward situation.
1: Maybe that's why they didn't include it.
0: <laughs> Let's be honest: we had Ruben's reaction to the phone call, then Samuel's reaction to um, to the light falling, and then I think it was four Ruben ones on the shot. <laughs> Uh, and then it was the, the family photo on the wagon that I used for episode 7. Interestingly as well, it was on an English language version of Instagram mm. that that was screenshotted off of. And it was screenshotted on the Tuesday before the finale as well, because it says five days ago on the oh. screenshot.
2: Turns out out of all the Demol fan sites out there, we are one.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would have preferred it if we had first in, We were second on there. Something to work on for next season. <laughs> <laughs> but I will take second billing out of this. I'm obviously super made up that we got any sort of credit on uh, on Belgian Mole. It's hilarious to me that our little stupid podcast has had some sort of success with this program. And yeah, even Jill's tip-off last week of those who are worthy will receive credit. I was still half thinking up until Sunday evening when we started getting the messages going, you got a screenshot! That it might have just been one final Jill trolling us moment and going Yeah, you're not worthy though Yeah, But it was really nice to actually see That we got any credit Any credit I mean, we didn't deserve much credit for this season Given all of our suspicions, including yours, Bindles But I will take any credit that we got
1: We're kind of a big deal on Planders now
0: Yeah, as as briefly seen on Belgian TV As it says in our uh, our Twitter bio now So, the hidden hints. The paracetamol box has a suspicious date on it, but it was actually the word itself that was the clue, as it was written in a font called Comfort. The same font was also in the new version of Tucson Today as the headline shocking news right above one of my favourite psychics of the season in the box saying no hint here. Really frustrating for us, the paracetamol box, because I know me and Bindles talked at length about that paracetamol box probably ending up being a clue of some description. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as he said, oh, the paracetamol box is a clue, I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, here we go. The annoying
2: thing is, I clocked the paracetamol box and the newspaper and the PowerPoint all having clues in them, and I didn't join the dots.
0: And the worst thing is the fact that because it was a font clue as well, as soon as Jill said, um, it was actually the font you were looking at because it's a font called Comfort. I just went, fuck off. Yeah, How am I supposed to know that? Well, at
2: least it's not like that one from the South Africa season where it's like, okay, you take the word search, you t- you use the fact that we did a QR code in another challenge to turn it into a QR code. You shift the, you shift the squares, certain rows and columns, and then you, you scan that and then you end up somehow with a five-digit code that corresponds to a Lego set that matches the Mole's occupation.
0: This was better than that. Yeah, that was ludicrously hilarious, though, to be fair. Yeah. That was just a piss take for all of the Mole fans looking into everything like we do. So after the stunt flying, she ordered the same cocktail that Mole Mark had as a stunt in Season 3. Spoiler! Spoilers, yeah. (laughs) I mean, who'd have thought Mole season spoiling who the third Mole was? Mm. (laughs) The number plate of the van was only briefly visible, and it was CM11463, spelling out, of course, Comfort Mold 11. Ugh. Yeah, I know, I hate that clue as well. In every episode, there was a reference to her job, a reference to the word baby, usually when the mole did something suspicious. It was even in the wonderful PowerPoint, right next to the word country, written in Comfort.
2: That little clip art of the it's a baby and he's just holding a map of Belgium that made me laugh so hard when I saw it like I think I think that is my funniest thing in this entire season
0: It's fun fact time The problem is we analysed the shit out of that powerpoint we knew something would be hidden there and we even said at the time that that cliff art was really really funny and just didn't connect the dots Yeah It's infuriating this show we need more red string and uh, bulletin board next time. In Café de Mole, the candidates were introduced with cryptic hints, apart from the mole whose name was revealed, and in her promo picture, she tipped her hat to the audience to say that she was the mole. That was definitely spotted. Yeah. I remember someone mentioning it, and I can't find the record of who it was, because I was going to give them a shout-out in this episode, but someone definitely, when the cast was r- revealed, said, oh, it might be Comfort, because she's the only one touching a hat.
2: The annoying thing about that is I, I like with all the other things where we saw and didn't connect the dots. When when that diner Challenge came up and, you know, there was something about, I think, covering or whatever, or like all the songs being covers, and then I was, you know, re-watching and watching and watching and watching, and I realised every time the mole kept going, Toast was covering one of his hands with the other. And then I went back and looked at those photos, and then that, was what he was doing in the photo so i was convinced that that was the clue but i was completely off of comfort by that point so i didn't even think to check her photo
0: Now it's so annoying this show <laughs> i know until reveals that he got a tattoo to commemorate the trip a cactus on his ass i love that these
2: people are so shocked by somebody getting a tattoo as though that's that isn't something that happens fairly often on this show
0: Yeah, I love that people are so shocked that not for the first time this season, Toast wasn't wearing any trousers. Yeah. Because Jill has to tell him to put some trousers on for the second time this season.
2: Put on some pants, Toast, and stop teasing me with nudity, Ruben.
0: And yep, Ruben does then joke that he has a tattoo of world famous actor Matteo Simone on his leg.
1: And then he says, I'm just kidding, it's actually on my back.
0: Matteo subscribed to Tunnel Vision, and he thought he already knew who the mole was when he went home. However, Toast was immediately suspicious of Comfort's fall on the line, but wanted to resist tunnel vision. And they score this scene to a wonderful version of In the Hall of the Mountain King, which was much appreciated, just from a music nerd point of view. Mateo went home, going all-in on Lancelot as Mole. Ruben was then suspicious of Commie's reaction to the falling lamp and how slow her reaction actually was, but he'd already forgotten and went all-in on Lila in episode 2, Samuel wanted to put seven questions on Toast, seven on Lancelot, and the rest on Commie, but lost track and then went home. In episode three, multiple people had a new suspect, Toast, after he left lots of money behind in the exemption room. Thomas put half the questions on him, and Lila and Lisa started suspecting each other much more. Ruben went all in on Lila, as did Connie, against all mathematical reason, and then went home. In the DeLorean, several people went all in, including Toast for the first time. Ruben still went all-in on Lila despite his tunnel vision, and Lila went for lot as we already knew. And Ruben and lot were both shocked when Lila went home. That shook up the game. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful reaction. This whole suspicion segment is great. Yeah. Like, Vidim
2: this season, we barely knew how anyone interacted with each other until about Final Four. Like, even the fuck bond was one scene in Episode 2, and that was about it. But here, Gilles and their crew trust us enough to let us know who people suspect and how that's different from what they say to each other and it's really refreshing
0: yeah this is an all time great suspicion segment as well I have to say I really enjoyed this this suspicion segment just generally because you see the arc of how Toast and Lancelot became the final two but also I feel really bad for Toast as we go through this because he was 100% convinced that it was comfort from episode 1 he went all in on her from episode 4 yeah And yet he loses on time in the end. Mm -hmm. It's brutal. It's definitely not the first time that's happened though, right? It's not the first time, but it's a really brutal way to do it. Because if he just got one more question right on the final test, he would have been the outright winner.
1: I wonder if they both got the same question wrong on the final test.
0: It can only have been one of the hidden questions that were in the biodome. He was probably, I was thinking
1: and Wonderful was the one about Back to the Future with the all scoring 6 out of 20 on the quiz.
2: I think if they were both on Comfort, they would have known she scored low, so they would have just picked the lowest number that was there.
0: Yeah, because it was the lowest number that was there, I think. Maybe they
1: both picked... I didn't think that was the lowest number.
0: It is an interesting question, that one, because... I know we talked about this last week, but I'm going to talk about it again. Because if they revealed to everyone what each other's scores were on that test... If Toast is on Comfort fully on that test, which he was, he knows he got 20 out of 20 on that test. He knows that Lancelot then got a middling score, but managed to rule him out. And he knows that Comfort got the lowest score. So that's probably the most likely of the three that any of them got right. I think the one that they got wrong is more likely to have been the signal one. Hmm. Because the red egg one, I think the options were zero, one, or 2. Well, you know that the mole sabotaged Lancelot's egg straight away, so that's a guaranteed one. You'd probably guess that the mole sabotaged too, I think, in that case. So if I had to put money on it, I would say that they probably got the signal question wrong of those three.
1: Mm, Right, because that wouldn't be something that would be well known. Yeah, probably that one.
0: No, because as I said last week, it's the sort of question where unless you're on the mole straight away and watching them like a hawk, you don't know how they communicated with the puppet. Not easily. So, Toast became more certain every round, he spotted her tactic to get into the DeLorean, and Lancelot also became suspicious of her that it would be a good tactic as a mole, and Leeselot went home suspecting Thomas. In episode 6, Toast is confident, but worried that Lancelot was also on the right track, and he's right to be worried. Reuben also mainly suspected comfort on the test, and remembered her lamp video finally. Thomas is the only one on the wrong track, and goes home thinking that Toast is the mole, and he isn't even publicly subtle about it. In the Wild West, all of the final three are on the right track, and they realise that it will come down to either one point or one second as to who goes home. Reuben, however, fears that his tunnel on Lila may have cost him, and put him behind on gathering information about the mole, and he was correct, but went home suspecting the correct mole. And in the final test, it was, as Jill said at the time, a battle of titans, Tos, who had been on commie since day one, and Lancelot, who ruled Tosu out in the DeLorean test, so knew he was on the right track. They tied on 29 out of 30 and had to do the 10 bonus questions, which were timed and won by Lancelot. They both scored 10 out of 10 on the bonus ones, and Lancelot won by seconds. And as said last week, Lancelot is sponsoring 15 surgeries with Medibamba, a charity that Commie helped to found. As well as taking everyone away for a weekend. It's better than sponsoring a soccer team. It is.
1: It'd be funny if uh, Comfort says, uh, by the way, each, each surgery is 5,000 euros, Lancelot. So, pony up. <laughs> yeah. As we say in Arizona, giddy up.
0: <laughs> and that is the end of the season.
1: Yeah, Lancelot's in debt now. He shouldn't have won. Two's outwitted him in the end.
2: Of course, the season that was all you know, themed about movies and everything ended with a red carpet scene
1: from the finale.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think back to Vietnam. I don't think there was a red carpet for that.
1: No, they didn't do it. They definitely didn't show it in the reunion episode. Yeah.
0: There was a red carpet definitely last year, because that was in the isolated area at Palais 12. Yeah, But I don't think there was one for Vietnam. I think they, they put the red carpet on, specially this time.
1: Hmm.
0: Which is really interesting. I was checking that scene to see if I was lurking in the background, but I think I'd gone to get a drink by that point. Because I didn't need to take pictures of people arriving, I knew what they looked like. Even Steve Tao. Especially
1: Steve Tao. He's dressed like he's thinking, oh, I gotta do a better disguise this time. There might be, there might be a lot of paparazzi out there. So then he, I was hoping he would come in, like, shaved head and in uh, monk robes or something like that. And to be fair, you got to stay around and interview them later.
0: Well, I, I actually interviewed them before. Oh. By the time they all quote-unquote arrived, I mean, they drove around the block. It's more BBC fakery The final three had been there for hours by that point They just kind of drove half a mile away and then drove back
2: Yeah
0: Yeah I interviewed I interviewed Comfort and Jill At about like 4 or 5 o'clock And the red carpet wasn't until about half 6 Hmm So how do we feel about Comfort as the mole I think she's a really good mole
2: And when it came up at the start of the episode That they sort of Unanimously decided to make her the mole I, I think They saw some promise in her that um, she was going to be one of the great moles. And then turned out she kind of was.
1: She didn't even recognise Jill. She said, oh, who are you? Were you in Call Boys as well?
0: <laughs> didn't she say she'd never seen him before?
2: Yeah, she said that, that she'd never seen him. I thought she was being a little bit sarcastic there.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm wondering whether it was either her being a bit sarcastic and it just didn't come across, or it was one of those things where, like with Vietnam... Where they had the challenge of not recognizing the crew member who they'd already met. I'm wondering whether she might have thought that it was a mole test, and she's like, "I'm going to say I've never seen you before, just in case." Hmm. Who, who are, who is this guy? Is this, is this Willie Summers? I don't think it's an Argentina situation where people genuinely. The first challenge went. What's Shilda Costa famous for? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that was Hannah. Do you know who this man is? Is he from Wallonia? Yeah, it was indeed Hannah who, um, who on the Salinas Grandus said she didn't even know who Papa Bear was in the end. Who is this man? What is, his, what is his major function? His major function is deception towards the English language community.
1: <laughs> I thought one of his major functions was folding his arms. And folding his arms, yeah.
0: <laughs> Technically it was unfolding his arms this season, wasn't it? Yeah, it was indeed the reverse. And final question before we actually talk about what's next. How do you think we're going to look back on this season?
1: Very highly. Yeah, this yeah.
0: is <laughs>
2: this, this is going to go down as one of the goods, the really good seasons.
0: Where would you place it in your rankings?
2: Uh, in terms of just Bel here or all of them? Either. It's up to you. I think in terms of just Bell here, it's probably third behind Vietnam and Germany. I think Vietnam does take a while to get going but then sort of once it hits it's you know non-stop to the end. Germany I think given the the situation behind that season you can be a little bit more lenient with the things that didn't work. This season has a lot that works and a lot that works really really well but then every so often you just get something that like didn't quite work like the Steve Tao twist or the ejaculating hot dog wall
1: or (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was, I thought that's the name of the sex tape with uh, Ruben and Steve Tao. Well, you would know
0: it is in your collection.
2: It's autographed. Yeah. Like with, you know, Steve Tao and the ejaculating hot dog wall. And even I think the news challenge sort of probably would have worked better with four people and sort of, you know, leaving comfort to do the big part of the challenge solo kind of made it like a little bit less effective than it probably would have been but then we got you know Jill helping with the challenge so you know swins and roundabouts but i i think after everything that went wrong in canary islands i'm really thrilled that this season went off without a hitch
0: yeah i think in terms of the the mole pick and stuff they obviously wanted a safer pair of hands and someone yeah. who they thought could deal with the emotional toll of being the mole
1: my favourite part
0: was when, uh, when
1: Comfort gets executed, and Jill whisks her away, and she says, oh, I'm really nervous, and there's genuine panic on Jill's face saying, don't be nervous, don't be nervous, don't be nervous at all. We can't have a repeat of last year, please, no. You're not nervous, Comfort. Tell me you're not nervous!
0: Yeah, obviously, they tried to go for a safe pair of hands, and, it, and she was a perfect choice, to be, mm. to be brutally honest. I don't think there is a better ending to this season than Comfort being the mold and Lancelot winning in retrospect. Because Lancelot was a force of nature. No matter how you feel about him, he was an absolute juggernaut in this show, as was Tos, to be fair. It's a real shame we didn't get a four-person finale and see Ruben also probably get 29 out of 30. He didn't have enough notes, though. Yeah, but I mean... I think he probably could have had a decent shot at it. He probably wouldn't have won still, but Mm. he could have had a decent shot at it. Yeah. This season was phenomenal. I agree that it is probably the third best of the Belkia seasons. Mm. It's definitely in the upper echelons of the A tier still, I think. Yeah. I think it's very difficult for anything to get in the A plus tier with Vietnam and Germany. This one was very, very close. There wasn't really a dud episode, I would say. There were... Hilarious failures like the world famous actor Matteo Simone twist, but it just felt really fun, really pleasant. Like everyone was having an absolute blast. It was chock full of sight gags, which I always appreciate, and it just felt it. It just felt like everyone was having fun, which is what this show is all about.
2: It's definitely the best season that's come out in the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, it's great to see a season go completely, it seemed, well, from what we saw, it was pretty much a seamless season for production, in contrast to perhaps the messiest season of them all ever last year.
0: I said this last week, but there's there's a bit of charm in how badly last season went for them for me. I think it actually elevates the season slightly in that it is just an utter chaos season.
1: Yeah, that's the that's the one neat thing with Canary Islands is production. It was a lot of things. Just it's it's a season where nothing goes production's way, and they and just every all the sacrifices and all the adversity to face just to cross the finish line, and see twists that were great in concept but just didn't have the best execution or had the best results in the end. For instance, the the live finale last year was one of the very few twists that they've come up with that just fell completely flat here. We see the Back of the future twist and it went as well as it possibly could have overall. And what, what's the other end of course? Well, I guess Steve Taylor twist didn't pan out, but luckily that was episode one. Yeah. And then they still had seven episodes after that where nothing went wrong.
0: Where would you rank it, us?
1: I think it's right up there for me with S- South Africa and uh, Vietnam overall. Really good stuff. I mean, as we said before, there was one episode, I think we said that was average, and then everything else was above average from start to finish.
0: Yeah, I know I said this to Jill, but the sight gags especially just elevate this season. And I know it's partially because it was in a an English-speaking country and all that sort of stuff. But the jokes and the level of silliness that we saw in some of these challenges this season were just utterly pitch perfect. Yeah. Mainly the speed challenge, mainly the PowerPoint, but just little little nods to the silliness that this show loves. It felt classic Belkier again. And how distinct each episode was and how they
1: really, they really, that's one thing that the mole is always, amongst other things, they always do really well at, a very long list of them, but this season especially was just how each episode they kept feeding into the same theme, and you think, oh, a whole season in Arizona, that's not going to be exciting on paper. Hmm. For instance, if, if Vidim just had a whole season in Arizona they would not have played it out the way that uh, Belhia did this year at all. It wouldn't have come remotely close with having everything tied together and how much they fed into the American cinematic history, for instance, and then as well mixing in the Wild West theme. It was really brilliant and distinct that way. Yeah, Veeden probably
2: would have said, okay, we're going to Arizona, how do we clumsily work in Native Americans? And then basically built four episodes of the season around that. and And then this season because of the movie stuff and because frankly i think they didn't want to mess it up we didn't get any of that which was really refreshing to see like a, a different view of arizona than we sort of used to seeing in in you know well in films
0: yeah and i know there's going to be a lot of us ragging on netflix mole in the next five months six months whatever it'll be by the end of uh the Mole Historians. Spoilers, we recorded it when, uh, when Netflix Mole was just coming out. So there's a lot of Netflix Mole jokes in there. Mm-hmm. But amongst a multitude of reasons that Netflix Mole did not work was the lack of coherent theming. And the throw shit at the wall and see what sticks attitude. And if there is one thing that Belkia does better than any other show in the world, it is tying their episodes to a unifying theme.
1: And that's something that was rendered impossible last season in the Canary Islands. I think that's one thing that they really focused on for this year. Because with the Canary Islands, there's only so much you can tie in together there, and it's not as well-known and just not as recognized in terms of different unique things about the Canary Islands that isn't universally known. Meanwhile, here in this season, Back to the Future is very (laughs) universally (laughs) well-known.
2: I think with the Canary Islands, they sorta of, the first episode at least is, you know, tenth anniversary, and then they're like, Well, we've done that, let's move on. And then the rest of the season, really the closest you get to a theme is, God, isn't the Canary Islands a nice place to visit? And I'm like, you know, you can do like tourism themes basically everywhere in the world except for maybe North Korea.
0: Spoiler for so next season. <laughs> <laughs> We've flown 10 strangers to Pyongyang.
2: <laughs> have
0: you seen the Amazing
2: Race Vietnam episode that they filmed in Pyongyang? Yes. Yes. Logan has, <laughs> I have
0: I know about it, but I've not seen it. It's so bad.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that It comes around, it's sort of like, it's almost charming. Yeah, you can see Dennis Rodman, he's the pit stop greeter. Yeah. But yeah, you can,
2: I, I think, given the circumstances of the season, sort of Tourism works as a theme for the Canary Islands, but I don't think I I think if it had been like another country or you know whatever that was like a little bit more recognizable, you wouldn't have been able to get away with it.
0: Yeah. So what's next? What is next? Mm. The section that I have been waiting literal months to do. Because this is going to really irritate at least one person who I know is going to be listening to this podcast, if not two of them. Um, because I want to give a shout out to Jack Pitts, in that on January 26th, he sent me and Bindles a tweet. Do you remember this one, Bindles?
2: Vaguely. I have had a lot of Eurovision tweets the last week or so, so I've sort of forgotten everything before that.
0: The tweet that originally uh, was sent went as follows. Our Vidum suspicions seem to be solidifying as MJ Halston and the Grim Recap are locking their final sets of three suspects after the third episode. Catch up on this week's recap at the link in our bio now. And he took a screenshot of what we'd sent with the suspicions documents and went, what's going on here? Crying emoji. Oh, Jack, how close you were to finding out a little secret. Because it's fair to say that we had a little bit of fun at the start of the year with Logan's suspicions. And given that Logan was in different time zones and all that sort of stuff and couldn't always watch the episodes quickly, I may have made up some fake suspicions for him. And we started off with the usual still-suspecting Averon, that sort of hilarious stuff. <laughs> and then they kind of took a turn from week three, which was, which was that one that Jack was flagging because his suspicions, allegedly, that week were still Sander, obviously, given he got executed that week, uh, Jeroen, obviously, given that you suspect him all the time, and Peter Jan Hagens, which is weird, because why would really? I put Peter Jan Hagens in there?
1: Yeah, why would you? Yeah, so was he your neighbor or something?
0: I don't know, but week four was then Averon and Fraukia, and then week five was Los off of Georgia and the Pokemon Arcanine, which is still my favorite. Gotta give credit (laughs) to my brother for that one, because it really did make me laugh when he suggested it. Then it was Eric off of Japan and famed reality TV failure Rob Sestanino. Then it was Veronica Mars, one of your favorites. <laughs> then it was Ewarts from South Africa, the original South Africa season. And then finally it was Naylor and her broken ankle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, I would have been closer than I was with this season.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then when we came to Belgia, your first week, because you were still missing, was Evie Hansen, Letitia, and Ellie Loost. <laughs> and then it was Victor Brand from Sri Lanka. <laughs> Eric from Czechia, and of course Nabil. And there's one unifying thing to find, think about those suspicions, or at least the yeah. first ones in in, um, in the last, let's say, I don't know, six weeks of Vidim.
2: And, you know, just in case anyone hasn't heard it yet, you might want to spell it out.
0: Yeah, so we have A-Veron, that's an E. Then we have Lost, that's L. Eric, E. Veronica, V. Awards, E. Then Nayla, N. And weirdly, that pattern goes again for Belkia, doesn't it? Because you have E for Evie, L for Leticia, E for Ellie, then V for Victor, E for Eric, and N for Nabil. And what does that spell, children? Eleven! It, it spells out eleven! Because there's a theme to this year's historians, given that, spoilers, from next Sunday, May 28th, you can listen to Amazing Race Australia 2, historians. That happened 11 years ago, and for mole historians this year, in case you've not worked it out already, we're going back to season 11, we're going to El Salvador, Nicaragua. Oh yeah, we recorded that like a million years ago. (laughs) Yeah, I think we started recording that in like August, actually. (laughs) And hilariously, there's a lot of ways you could have known, because there's not just Logan's suspicions... There's so many clues that we've done to the number 11. Chief amongst them, that the fact that the 11th word of every episode this season has been the number 11. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so if you'd paid attention to the number 11, the 11th word would have helped you. The notes of Vidum also all used a particular phrase, which was, A new decade of Vidum begins. If you'd done the maths, you would have realised that actually it was our 10th season of Vidim that we were covering, and not a new decade. A new decade, of course, being the first three words of El Salvador and Nicaragua. Partially thanks to John as well for doing both suspect lists this year under the name of Jan Kuiman, because that has given us so many opportunities to reference him in these episodes, and in fact it is, this year already, the most referenced season that we have done on any Mole podcast <laughs> And on January twenty-eighth, I actually sent you a message suspecting that someone may have rumbled us on Historians this year. And I don't think John has. Which is hilarious. And the final thing that I do want to draw attention to, there are loads and loads of hints to El Salvador and Nicaragua in our episodes already
2: this year, I'm afraid. I I dropped a couple of things where I was like, you know, turning it up to eleven and mentioning like the number eleven about eleven times.
0: Yeah, and in fact, our Instagram story for this week's episode does reference the, the number 11 again. It's a reference to 10 and 1. But week 8's Suspicions for Vidim actually used the phrase predict the future, which is obviously one of the main twists of El Salvador Nicaragua as well. The hilarious thing for us is that we'd actually decided ages ago to do El Salvador Nicaragua, and then the very day that we recorded the final episode of Vidim Historians for this year was actually the day that Marika put her subtitles up. We still use the old That Dark Spark ones, and Marika has now lovingly provided those subtitles, so you will be able to watch along with us. In much better quality than we got. They certainly are. Lucky. I know.
2: They get to see that pity Young gif in, you know, high quality.
0: <sighs> Not that one. The uh, the look of disdain from, uh, from him when art and Venom icon Yanku and hand him a picture. <laughs> <laughs> it, it,
2: In retrospect, oh. you know, it's probably lucky that there were a lot of VSDMol names that start with the letter E. Uh, otherwise you would have had to, you know, come up with basically just make up names at some point. And then, and then you'd probably end up getting someone texting you being like, Edgar, who the hell is Edgar?
0: Oh, <laughs> Oh, I should have seen that coming. Um, you should have seen that coming because I've dropped about fourteen during this episode. Yeah, I will say it was a fucking nightmare doing this joke when I uh, I realized that we were going to do it for uh, for hinting at historians when when we realized that I had six more weeks to do with them. Um, especially when it came to V's. Veronica Mars was an obvious one because Logan loves Veronica Mars, but when we decided we had to do a second wave of it for Belkia, I did really have to rack my brain for anyone whose name started with V, who I hadn't already used. And Fixer Brand was the one I came up with. And on New Year's Eve, weirdly the day that we recorded the uh, the finale for Amazing Race Australia 2, I did accidentally release 9 of the 10 episode titles. And if you know anything about our historians you'd have gone, 10 episodes? That means it's an 11 episode season. Mm. Yet again, 11 episodes but also is one of the few with 11 episodes. The episode titles for Venom Historians are in order. The Planet of Steve's, only Yans, as in Jan Kuruman. A Thumb with Eyeballs. I know exactly what that was referencing. Still hilarious. So you can play that game. The Graves were in Graves. Then there was a redacted one, which was, hashtag, in Sundance we trust. The Magical Murder Tour, Fallen Friends Together, A Singaporean Treasurer, and The Skip All Mole. I'm sorry about the last one, still. I'm not, because it's a brilliant annoying pun that i should have spotted way quicker than i did that will come out sometime in summer um we haven't got an exact date yet mainly because we maybe are going to do a third historians that will skew the timing of it but it's certainly looking like it's going to be sometime around august september time that we start releasing those however before then we do have amazing race australia 2 historians coming out from may 28th And at some point when they deign to give us the episodes, um, Hunted Series 7 will also be recapped this year. As well as Episode 500 falling sometime probably in the middle of Venom Historians. The episode titles for Amazing Race Australia 2 are going to get released the day after this episode comes out on social media. So keep an eye out for that. The first one is a particular favourite because I know it's going to annoy certain people in the Amazing Race Australia fan community. So, have you guys got anything else you want to say about this episode, this season, this end to live episodes this year apart from Hunted when they bother to give us the episodes?
1: I liked it!
2: Yeah. (laughs) I just want to thank (laughs) Shields and the best damn crew on television. Yeah. I mean, because of you lot, the three of us still have faith in this entire fucking genre.
0: Yeah. The smartest, dumbest show on television has never been more apt for a show like this. Mm. Any thoughts, Saunders?
1: Uh, yeah, there's no There's no decline whatsoever. One of the few competitive reality shows that continuously delivers, especially after The Mason Race can't. and Race Canada 9's filming, and hearing how that went, it's quite the contrast.
0: And I guess we will see you for season 12. And that isn't a hint to what next year's Venom Historians is going to be, because I'm not touching that one with a barge ball. Ew. So, thank you for listening to our Demol Belkia Season 11 recaps all season long. We will be back on May 28th to begin our Historians for the Year with Amazing Race Australia 2 before we return later in the year for Haunted Series 7, Feast of Mobile, El Salvador, Nicaragua, our 500th episode, and maybe some more surprises if we can rustle some up. Don't forget can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are, you can email emails and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at Lux Bindles is the Grim Recapper and I'm MJ Harmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Warriors and get the Historians episodes a week early. See you soon. At least Peace one of you, and...
1: <laughs> I was about to say, don't I usually go last? Because Michelle always goes before me. <laughs> no, you, you go first and then I say something stupid. Right. Peace out and just chill until the next A Flavoring. Put on some pants, Toast.